Welcome to episode 853 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode what is it? 853 if I'm talking of Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. about yourself? I am on top of the world. Top of the world, John. Do you know why? Because if oh, you've yeah. got lawn, yeah. it's a good time to have lawn in New Zealand right now. It is. Shit-ass weather we've got over here at the moment. The shit-ass weather. And then we also have... Um, it kind of goes wet and hot, doesn't it? Kind of wet and hot? No, no. The weather goes wet and hot. Yes. You know, you go from... A hot day to yeah. a wet day, which yeah. is perfect growing conditions. Yeah, that's perfect growing conditions. This summer, I haven't watered on my lawn once. Murray, Murray Lepworth will be happy at me. Right. Because he does not like wasting water. Yeah, nor, nor do I. Yeah. It's riding with Murray on Saturday for a couple of hours. I was, I was coming down by the old florist on, in Beckenham there. Mm-hmm. This flash guy in a tester drives oh, up. Yeah. He's looking pretty flash. Who's this flash guy? Got old Murray Lepworth and yeah. the wife in the car. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, he's earning the big dollars. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking proudly brought to you by... Our awesome patrons. We've got Jonathan the Squeeze Hudson. Lee, 20 Eyes Spore. And then we've got Ross Give-A-Lot Little. Mm. There we go. This week's show, we've got news. We've got Topic of the Week. Was that a, was that a popular one? <laughs> was that a popular one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really had to pull out my butt, but still, I expected better than this. Uh, Age Group of the Week. Yeah, we're an interview. We are. We're going to talk to Gwen Jorgensen's um, mother and sister. Uh, so we haven't done the interview yet, so all going to plan. Quite topical, be, really. Quite, yeah. Well, it was arranged a couple of months ago. I think I sort of locked it in, and uh, and then with this week's announcement, yeah, even more topical. Good because let's get to the news. No racing, bugger all news. But Gwen Jorgensen is making a comeback, focusing on mixed relay, which she's now thirty six. John, I've said it for a long time. What was she doing? <laughs> well, yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting one. I didn't really see it coming, um, but her running career has been underwhelming. Um, to she never really even got to the top level in America, did she? No, not at all, no. And, uh, and Not even weirdly, but in, even in America. She, and, and her running really hasn't got much better than what she was when she was in triathlon. So hats off to her for giving it a crack, but she's making it coming back to triathlon. Now, she's just had her second baby. Uh, she's 36, and um, she, when I say she just had her baby, like she's still breastfeeding, okay. uh, her second baby, and yep. she isn't even back running yet. So this return is going to be a work in progress. Um, I listened to an interview she did yesterday, and a couple of things. Um, yeah, she's a mum of two now, still breastfeeding, not even back um, running. I think she's waiting. You know, she's following all the protocols and going to be back running in January, looking to race, start racing hopefully in March, and then uh, she's hoping to make mixed relays for the Olympics. Is it? Yeah, that's her focus is is to try to make the mixed relay. So she's not coming out saying, oh, "I want to be the world champion. I'm going to get back to the top and all this yeah. sort of stuff." She, I think, I'm sure she hopes she will, um, but it's really going to be a journey of discovery to see where she can get back to. Here's a question for you. Why not longer? Because what was she like in short course? I know she was an ex-runner. Yep. Um, well, she never tried going long, and in the interview I listened to, she didn't have any aspirations to go long. It's just not her not her gig, which you get if you're doing, if you're a racer. But she tried to do marathon, didn't she? She did, yeah, but she did 
I don't know if I'm not actually sure if she did any marathons. She was doing okay. half marathons, and I think the focus was to do marathons. Whether or not she actually did any, I'm not quite some. sure. Look, you, you can look that up. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, it's going to be going to be a really interesting one. So last time she raced was in 2016 uh, when she won the Olympic gold medal. Uh, she finished that s- season um, going second at the finale in Cozumel. You know, it's always hard when you come off the Olympics and then you got to turn around a month later and race the finale. When you look at her results through 2014 to 2016, it is astronomical mate she just kicked some serious ass so when i'm looking down here between her final race where she got a second all the way through to pretty much 2014 started 2014 she won just about everything she did. She'd got a, a couple of podiums. Um, she had one bad race in, in New Zealand where she finished 14th at the start of 2014. Um, then a couple of mixed relays that didn't win. But everything else, she basically won it. She got a second in Gold Coast and a third in Hamburg. Everything else, she won. That's pretty sensational. And she was just head and shoulders above everybody else. And when you for the guys that watch the current World triathlon series you look at people like Cassandra Bolgrand and um, maybe Summer Rappaport to a degree they're both amazing runners and and better and many times better than everybody else but they're just shit on the bike and they haven't been able to get it get it together whereas Gwen Jorgensen was like that at the start she was a subpar swimmer you know just maybe make the main pack Uh, and then she got herself pretty much to the front of the main pack, not the breakaway, yep. uh, and got her cycling to a standard where she's not getting dropped. Um, so she was able to make that transition that, that some of those females have not been able to do. So, yeah, she was uh, she was an absolute weapon. Okay, a couple of things. She did quit triathlon to, to try win Olympic gold for the Tokyo Games. Mm. That was her ambition. Was she self-deluded? Um. Yeah, but we're not, we're not, we're not, we don't live in that world when you're, um, you know, a high, high level elite athlete. And because uh, she went on and did the New York Marathon in 2016. Oh no, after winning the, after winning the gold, she did the New York Marathon. After that, she did a 2:41, got 14th. <laughs> yeah, that that's really slow. Yeah, well, 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 <laughs> no disrespect. That's you know, you know if, you're not winning the gold medal if you're doing no. You know, um, then she she did do that. Uh, but she focused, she shifted in 2019 after getting lots of injuries and marathons mm. to the 5,000, 10,000, and she never really made it. Like, don't get me wrong, <laughs> it was always an odd choice, yeah. And you've it's her life, good on her, you know. But I don't know, like, what a waste of a career! Uh, come I mean, on, if she had stayed in triathlon, yeah, she would have. But if you're not mo- motivated, you know, the yeah, only true. way the only way is down when you've bloody won everything and you're just absolutely crushing it. You know, um, down, 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 down when you go to a different sport where you're not as good. Well, no, well, you're starting from the bottom. She could have worked her way up. Um, so, anyway, but what she's trying to do is make the mixed team relay. And the deal with that is you have to be, to make the American team is quite challenging um, because, you know, they're going to, they'll have most likely three females that will get selected for the Olympics. So firstly, you've got to be in the top three females in America um, to get onto the team, and you've got to race individual races to, to do that. And then they'll pick two of those three, three two of those females to go into the mixed relay. So yeah, mixed relay is not so important. It's not like you're a domestique, is it? You know, like in, in they'll often have a third player who's kind of a great swim biker. Yeah, exactly. And so if she goes to the Olympics... 
by that time, time she might be focusing on the mixed relay and going, I'm still doing the individual race, but I'm holding going to hold back. You know, I'm not, maybe I'm not a realistic medal chance and just going to hold it all back and, and go ballistic in the mixed team relay or and also focus her training around that rather than becoming the best Olympic distance athlete. So who she's up against... Um, at the moment, you've got Taylor Nib, and the sport has moved on quite a bit since uh, 2016. The standard in the swim has gone up quite a bit, and the standard of the run has definitely gone up. So I would imagine, you know, we haven't got any statistics to compare, but I would say the running now, she'd probably still be the best runner, I would say, but not by very much. Whereas when she was back winning, she was, quite she was like, you give her two minutes and she's probably oh, wow. still going to win okay. it. You know, at least a minute. I'd say up to two minutes, she's beating everybody. Now, I would imagine it's maybe 30 to 45 seconds if she was if she was at the same level. The, the, you know, the speed that Georgia Taylor-Brown and Flora Duffy are running now is way quicker than what they but were But do you do. think she would be as fast? Uh, I think, she, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why she's not going to be as fast in the run. It's just a swim bike is completely unknown. I think her swim will be well off the pace for a while. Um, so like, okay, so here are personal bests across all times based on a Wikipedia article. So 5,000, um, 1508, mm-hmm. 10,000, 3155, mm-hmm. uh, half marathon 110, yeah. and then a marathon 236. They're fast. So she's, she's, if she's at those, those levels, um, she'll definitely, I'd say not definitely, but almost definitely be the fastest runner in the field and um, whether she can do that off the bike is another thing and where she's positioned coming off the bike now, I she lost a lot of weight and will that hurt her uh she was pretty skinny was she yeah she yeah. was pretty skinny anyway because sometimes you, know, you go to running you lose muscle mass and you often lose power through that mm. so, kind so of i reckon she's going to be rubbish to be honest in 20 uh 2023 and then she'll um <clears throat> she'll improve and whether she can make it or not I wouldn't be surprised if she can make it so basically at the moment for the Americans you've got Taylor Nib who is just going to get better and better yep. and she is at the front of the group and she is like sure fire yeah. to, to go and it's still a couple of years away but based on current projections she is she'll be extremely hard to beat but then after that you've got Taylor Spivey who is is very good um, and she's really good at the short stuff and then it drops off pretty quickly you've got Kirsten Casper, Summer Rappaport um, and, but then you're going to have Katie Zaveris coming back as well so you'd kind of say I wouldn't be surprised if she can make that that you know the best three Americans but uh, not going to be easy if she was a Kiwi or most other countries in the world you're like Phew, Anywhere except America and the UK, yeah. boom, you're straight in America there. America got the bronze, silver, didn't they? Yes. I think, yeah, it was a silver. And so moving into the next Olympics, do we go, it's the Poms again? Poms and the French. I mean, it's going to be the Poms, the French, and um, the States, and the States bat- yeah. battling it out, you would think. I think, yeah. Okay. Maybe the Spanish in there a bit. Yeah. Aussies, yeah, Aussies are okay. Kiwis, Yeah. But those those are the three big players. Mm. They've got they've you've got to have four good athletes and quite a few countries maybe have two or three, but those countries have got four. So interesting times ahead. But like I know I've been quite critical of her, her career shift and and not not like it's her choice, her life, you know, and good mm. on if you make a choice that were right for her. I'm actually not critical of that because it's your life. Um, I just think it's disappointing in sport. Missed an opportunity because you, Flora Duffy has been your rock star over the last few years, isn't she? Oh, yeah. You know, and if you were to compare the two, you got Flora Duffy is light years ahead of Gwen Jorgensen in terms of her legacy in triathlon. Yeah. Um, Gwen, Gwen Jorgen- had stayed around. 
Well, Gwen Jorgensen, uh, you compare Gwen Jorgensen a bit to, say, Chrissy Wellington in, in Iron Man. It's like, boom, you came Hand on the pick. scene, yep. crushed it for a few years, boom, you're out. Yep. Um, whereas someone like Flora Duffy, she's a but lifetime what, but athlete. But in 20 years from now, because we'll, like, I think Chrissy in 20 years from now will still be, her legacy is still pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Do you think Jorgensen well, Green Jorgensen was the first American um, gold medal triathlete. Okay, yeah, true. Uh, yeah. have, have America got, did they get any other medal? Yeah, Katie Zaveris got a medal at Tokyo. Uh, whether or not they've got, yeah, they've got a few medals actually now I think about it, but yeah. no, not okay. really. Yeah, no, 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 like gold medal always puts you up in that, that And level, she was it? dominant. But imagine if she'd stayed around for a few more years. Oh, yeah. You know, like Flora, would, would Flora Duffy be so dominant? No, no. You uh, know, so then, um, she robbed us, John. She robbed us. But hey, I get it. Her life, her decisions, good on her. Um, okay, current rankings. So what, we're pretty much at the end of the year now, aren't we? So triathlon rankings. So can we pretty much say this is the year rankings? Oh, no, this, I, I was just pulling those up to, to look oh, at oh, sorry. You know, where she would sit. So the Americans... Oh, that's ca- news. Americans, <laughs> that's the news. Americans <laughs> currently sit... Uh, Taylor Nibb in third on the rankings. Taylor Spivey fourth. And then it drops down to Kirsten Casper, Summer Rappaport. Um, but you don't have uh, Katie Zaveris, who's just had a baby as well, and apparently will do a comeback. So if she comes back as well, that will make Gwen Jorgensen's uh, task a little bit harder. So, yeah, I think expectations-wise... Have them extremely low for uh, for twenty twenty three. Now she's. Um, are there any? So the Olympics are twenty six. Uh, twenty four. Twenty four. So oh, yes, okay. Yeah, so it comes around. So there's no real up and comers going to come through in the next eighteen months, is there? No, I don't really follow American triathlon. No, very I much. mean just in overall. I uh, you wouldn't have thought so. There might be. Yeah, because at the beginning of the cycle, you never know if in three years from now, four years from now, mm. if there's going to be some kid who comes up. And um, but since it's really only less than two years away now, yeah, uh, no, I don't think well, it's really the, 18 months, isn't it? It's normally, yeah. August, uh, normally winter, isn't it? Yeah, so well, New Zealand winter when they have the games, mm. no, it's going to rock around real fast. Yeah, we'll too. Good stuff. Okay, let's go to this week's discussion, which again was not a great come on team. You know, I thought I thought I'd pull out uh, gold here. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> but I went with it. <laughs> you had nothing down. I was, no. quite, I was quite trying to go with something. So the question was, what's the best part of training over the holiday period? And we got twelve great answers. Yeah, Belfong's got less traffic, not having to rush back to work after training. Uh, Mick Simpson, Christmas morning run before the chaos starts. I mean, I don't do anything on Christmas Day. I think a lot of people do. My day, my Christmas Day is day of lazy and day of eating. Mm. Man, do I eat on Christmas Day. Yeah. Christine McKinley has got not having to fit it around work. Afternoon naps. Christchurch, is, is she back in Christchurch? Um, she comes back and forth a little bit. Yeah, but, she's but, a rolling stone. Yeah. Um, pretty quiet. No commuting between the coast plus home. There you go. Plus all the nice food plus wine. Belfong, less traffic, not having to rush back to work after training. I did that one. I oh, did you? Oh, yeah. great. You're oh, going from the bottom, don't you? I do. Yeah, well, I'm going from the top. Yeah, I'm working from the bottom. That's how many comments we had from No, she was the first one, you crappy head. Well, no, on my, on my <gasps> platform, she's down the bottom. Oh, she's at the top for me. Okay, James Thomas has got all the extra fuel. Right. Uh, Graham Cool. Not training and eating like a sumo for two weeks, guilt-free, yeah, and nice. feeling guilty that you didn't train and ate like a sumo for two weeks and get training again, and seeing the weight drop off, that sense of why did I do that in the first place. Good old John Weir's got indoor training rides under the Christmas tree lights. I do like that. Also, James, uh, I mean, sorry, Wayne Ross has got road trip training. We head off to some new destination in SBR along the way. Swim, bike, run. Last one I'll do. George Samuel, no time constraints. Can awake when I want to and go to sleep when I want to. Bliss. Good old Greg Bramwell has got early morning solo rides in the Port Hills with no time pressure and no one in town. 
this thing. For, so Christchurch for, for our overseas everyone listeners. disappears. Everyone disappears, which is uh, quite nice. And so the, the, the city is very, very quiet. What are your favourite parts of training over, over the holiday period? Mm. You often do adventures. Yeah, go on some adventures um, if we're away on holiday. And yeah, I still get up and just get something done every day. Best part of training over the holiday period. Uh, yeah, so it would be most years we do some sort of adventure. So this year it's going to be a little tramp. I know that's not really triathlon related, um, but probably open water swimming as well. Do a lot of open water swimming. For me, it's actually sleeping in and training a little bit later in the day. Hmm. And like, like again, you, uh, I get up at four forty-five. Most of you guys get up early, but like six o'clock sleeping. Well, yeah, six <laughs> you know, and yeah. you maybe get up and do some exercise at seven. It's kind of nice. Um, so yeah, it's probably more of a time thing for me than anything, and and just doing some different stuff. Because we go camping, I often jump off someone's mountain bike, go for a mountain bike ride, and mm-hmm. we got the the park around Glenbury Bay, haven't they? Yep, they have. Yeah, so I might try to do some of that this summer. So. Just some new stuff. That's what mm. it's all about. Okay, Jombo, this week's discussion. Where, what and where was your slowest mile ever? Now, we got an email from Greg Lang. And it's, what is the slowest non-injury related mile or whatever distance you have covered with the intent of going fast? So he's saying he did a 19-minute bike ride, I think it was. And that's probably, no, that'll be a 19-minute mile run. So that's what he's getting at is yeah. if you've capitulated somewhere in a race. I don't think it's even if you capitulate. His one was really steep. Right. Yeah, I think his steep, like if I put on okay. his email. Or, yeah, so whether you capitulate in a race or whether you've gone and done an event where it's extremely steep, the slowest kilometre or mile that you've ever experienced okay. in a race when you're trying to go fast. So he was running and I don't think he capitulated. Right. So I just think it was like the real deal. He ran one mile, actually quite a little five. 0.5 under a mile mm. so he's cheating yeah. us yeah um took him 18 minutes through probably taking 19 minutes for the excuse yeah. To, yeah uh vertical climb of 750 feet what's that it's it's roughly three to what three to one isn't it yeah so a couple hundred meters grade and basically 15 percent gradient right so a mile took him 19 minutes yeah it sucks 15 percent decent gradient <laughs> yeah so so what what's the slowest Mile you've ever done in training, even though you were actually trying. Or in racing. Or in racing. So that's a, that's a political question. I like that one. Okay, uh, that's this week's discussion. Jonbo, what have we got here? I'm just trying to go. I've pulled up my show notes. Weekly quiz. John's weekly quiz. Okay, Gwen's on a comeback. Here we go. What's the question? So the quick. well, I was going to say what's what's sort of been the best comeback in, in sort of short course triathlon, but that was going to be too hard to figure out because it's a series and all that sort of stuff now. So I thought... What do you mean? As in comeback, as in as career a, comeback? Yeah, career comeback. Not like a Bevan Doherty in that race in New Plymouth? No. So but this one is, what is the longest gap between world championship wins in Kona? I've got... Really haven't given this one too much thought. So, you know, for example... So... Uh, um, say like a, a Chris McCormack or someone like that. You know, what was the gap between Daniela Daniela and last year? Like three years in between. Yeah, yeah. We we'll have to take COVID out of the equation a little bit there, but um, well, no. but uh, well, I suppose not. Still yeah. a year, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, what is the longest gap between World Championship wins for an athlete in Kona? That's a male good question. Or female? That's a really good question. Okay, Lauren Ward. Age group of the week. Got a Lauren Ward from passionfit.co.nz sent through this week's age group or .co.uk even. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> um, Mark Hand, our coached athlete, Mark, has what's that, 
Brugander syndrome. Which means that throughout his life, he has suffered multiple heart attacks. Oh, man. And go can go into cardiac arrest spontaneously. Mark suffered his first heart attack at the age of 14. To keep Mark's life safe, he has a defibrillator permanently implanted in his chest. Mm-hmm. Jeepers, creepers. Mark's athletic career, a journey, requires continuously monitoring his physiology and the impact of his training has on his multiple and it has on it from multiple experts and professionals beyond his passion fit coaching team. Mark is a role model example of how you can change your life with the right mindset and the best people around you. 12 months ago, Mark was attempting his first ever triathlon, knowing that any medical complication could mean that the end of his journey before it even started. Last month, Mark took part in an event that last year would have seemed like a distant dream. Mark raced at his Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George, Utah. As far as we are aware, Mark is the only person with Puganda syndrome to have ever completed in and finished an Ironman 70 point world championships. However, this race was not just about overcoming the cardiac challenges. As a result of his condition, Mark also had to overcome many functional movement issues linked to neurological complications that have occurred over the years that are linked to additional complications linked to the bulk. Golda, Brigada, Brigada syndrome. Um, as you can imagine, multiple heart attacks over the years takes its toll on your body. OMG, of course it must. <laughs> uh, almost unbelievably, though, these are not the biggest challenges Mark faces, cheapest creepers. Uh, but he has built up to his race. Just four weeks out from the race, Mark was hit twice by a car. The same car. <laughs> I'm going to get him. Probably get him once and then I'm go get, get him. Again. Hopefully he has a heart attack. <laughs> Maybe it's his wife going, screw you, bloody selfish prick. Cheapest <laughs> creepers. He was lucky to survive. The TT helmet was he was wearing arguably, arguably saved his life. At the very least, his face. Mark suffered multiple injuries, many of which caused additional complications in his internal defibrillator. Instead of quitting or taking a reckless approach to just racing, Mark chose to to have a very positive step he could do to maximise his recovery as well as ensure that his readiness to road safety was signed off by the appropriate experts. Despite all the adversity Mark faced overcoming his personal challenges through the whole of race week, Mark's priority still remained the happiness and well-being of his passion fit friends and his teammates. He could never do enough for everyone and was still always puts others first. I know we often say that it's about people, but this has never been truer than when you talk about Mark. While the world is overwhelmed with a performance narrative, while so many people are drawn to high performers as their role models, perhaps people like Mark, people who quietly go about their journey, people that put others first, people that understand the true meaning of accomplishment, people that are genuinely grateful, humble and proud, could be inspiration and a role model to so many. OMG. Solid. Mate, where do you start? My concern from a race director's point of view, um, when you have somebody with a condition like that, it's a bit you're like, too. holy shit, you know, um, is this guy going to have a heart attack in my race? That's yeah. looking at it from a race director's point of view. Because I'm sure he probably tells them. Yeah, but um, from an inspirational point of view, it's like, holy crap, I can't even imagine what it's like to have a heart attack and then obviously have to come back from it and have that hanging over your head. You know, we go into races and we're nervous and worried about different things, but when you go, shit, I could have a heart attack during this race. I love that. Uh, to me, the story, you know, is overcoming adversity in, in so many amazing ways. Um, but also that thing of um, just kind of attitude. Mm. You know, like attitude is everything. 
I really believe if you can, one of the greatest character traits is, is the ability to determine positive mindset or great attitude is one of the greatest attributes anyone can have. And obviously Mark is just a bloody and rock he's ticking all, ticking all the boxes in terms of getting the right advice as to not yep. endangering himself. And I do need to do a slight disclaimer from, I think it was last week. What did you do? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is the first ever. He's saying he was wrong. <laughs> um, I could have used better words. What did you do? What did you well, do? I, mean, I, was, I was talking about the Iron Man coverage um, and watching that and I, I, I said the sob stories which I said a bit flippantly, yeah. they're not soft stories, they're inspirational stories. Oh, yes. And, you always called them soft and, stories. But we did call them what made you change? Stories. Did someone pull you up? Uh, no, I pulled myself up when I said it, and I thought, oh, I shouldn't have probably said that. And then a couple of people did uh, have, oh. have mentioned it to me. Um, but Mark would be a good candidate for an inspirational story, uh, considering he did go to 70.3 World Champs. Oh, it's more than an inspiration. Yeah. Like, so. like doing, doing our sport is so hard. And, and we, it's that thing of... When you look at basketball players on the court, you kind of they all look the same height, so you don't understand how tall they are. Like people, you, when you're in this world, you kind of don't actually comprehend how hard this thing is that mm. we do. You know, like I remember when I was doing, you know, like you'd say to people, for most people to do a six-hour bike ride would be a highlight of their life. Mm. For most people to ride a marathon is a highlight of their life. Triathletes kind of do it in their training all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so our sport is such an outlier and such a challenge and then you put someone like Mark in the game who's got mm. massive, massive hurdles to overcome. Gets hit by a car twice. What are you doing, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> Sharpen <Shut, shut laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> but like, wow, what an absolutely amazing story. So Mark, how do we say his last name? Mark, Mark Hand. Mark Hand, you are uh, our age gripper of the week. week. What a legend. Okay, uh, let's go on to, we've got an interview coming up. Interview, John, what's your interview? We are, we're talking with Nancy and Elizabeth Jorgensen, the parents and sister of Gwen Jorgensen, the USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete. Here we go. Okay, guys, um, as you've heard earlier in the show, Gwen Jorgensen is making a return to racing. And so I actually arranged this interview a little while ago. Um, so it was kind of timely. We're going to be talking to Gwen's mum and her sister, who have had uh, two books out about Gwen's uh, Olympic success all the way back in 2016 and uh, may end up being more success in 2024. So first book was Go Gwen Go, A Family's Journey to Olympic Gold. And the recent book that's come out is Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete. So welcome along, Nancy and Elizabeth. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Um, so maybe go with with mum first. What is what was the motivation to to do these books? And maybe if we focus a bit more on the the one that's recently come out, um, that you know Gwen Jorgensen, the USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete. What what motivated you guys and and Gwen to to do these books? Yeah, you know the first one was really just a family memoir. It was um, how Gwen got to the Olympics and and what that changed in our family and and what kind of an experience it was. This most recent one, um, it was Gwen's idea. She wanted a book to motivate young people, um, young girls, but also young men. And there was a hole in the market um, when teachers and librarians went to look for books for their kids to read about female sports heroes. There just weren't that many. There were a ton of books about, you know, um, male sports heroes, but this filled that market. And because Gwen was motivated to do it and Elizabeth and I were already co-writing partners, um, that's kind of the birth of the book. 
how do you how do you approach it? You know, like um, if, if your target market is a younger audience, like I imagine the first book was more of a memoir and it's kind of just sharing your own experiences of, of this journey as a family because because the Olympic gold medalist is a family journey, but this one here is more. I imagine obviously it's an inspirational story, but if your target market is maybe a younger audience, as a writing style, is there a different way you approach it, or is it pretty much the same thing? We approached it completely different from the first book. The first book flashed between mom's words and sister's words. And then Gwen was in there um, through her like emails or text threads. And this most recent book has two timelines. Uh, one timeline is is a few days before the Rio race. And then between there, we flash back to these important moments in Gwen's life. So you see her as an elementary school kid joining her first swim team. And then you go back to a couple of days before the Rio race, and then it flashes back again to a moment in high school. And so we're trying to build some tension. Um, Obviously, everyone knows what happens in the real race, mm-hmm. uh, but the the flashbacks and then to the present day, um, we're hoping really will engage readers. And we also used letters. Gwen writes letters to the reader, and then she invites the reader to write back to her. Oh, cool. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, if we just sort of rewind a little bit, um, Nancy, you know, from, I know this will be outlined in the book, but, you know, when, when did Gwen and you, or did you guys think, oh, Gwen's actually got some real ability here and, um, and she could be a champion athlete. Was it just a slowly evolving thing or did you know, when you look back in hindsight, was she sort of a very driven and talented athlete from, from the get go? Oh, she was definitely driven from the, from the very beginning. That's, that seems to be just the personality she was born with, but you know, we, we never thought that we were raising an Olympian. Um, she was a good swimmer in our town, but she was never a state champion. She didn't go to the Olympic trials. Um, you know, we encouraged her to swim because she loved to swim and she had good friends there and it was a good way to spend her time. But, um, I, you know, and then she kind of tapped out of swimming, um, tapped her potential and switched to running in college. And, um, but even then we were not thinking Olympics. And I think it was really after she graduated from the university of Wisconsin and USA triathlon recruited her mm-hmm. and they showed some interest, even though she had, she didn't even own a bike, but mm-hmm. they thought she could do this. Um, and so they said, well, well, you know, we'll get you a bike. It's fine. We'll teach you how to do that. You've already got the swim and the, and the run ability. And so I think it was really then that we started, um, to take it seriously. And you guys probably, maybe, maybe not, have been around um, and had a number of athletes that you've interacted with at, at, at a high level, I imagine. What do you think is different about Gwen compared to, you know, somebody who might be more middle or back of the pack or sort of struggles to to make it to the to the next level? I think Gwen is willing to listen to people. She's willing to make these huge sacrifices. You know, I just look at the team that she surrounded herself when with when she was working with Jamie Turner. Um, she left home. You know, she'd always lived like within 90 minutes of us. And she realized that in order to reach her potential, she had to make a huge change. She did it. And then along the way, you know, Jamie was saying, let's start journaling. Let's start focusing on the process instead of the outcome. And Gwen just went all in. 
Um, she's always been really good at, you know, maybe sacrificing from our perspective. Uh, she wouldn't be as social as maybe some other people, or she would prioritize sleep and nutrition um, above, you know, everything else. And I, I just think that she she has that perfect combination of willing to invest in herself and then also being open to what outsiders suggest to trying new things. That's a, a, a family dynamic question. Cause when you get someone in your family who kind of becomes a star, you know, like you, as a sister, you do kind of get, how's Gwen going, you know, like, and sometimes it can be a difficult thing to navigate as a family and as a family, how have you managed that or has it not been a problem? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think it's been a problem for me. It's very, very exciting. I love following Gwen to all of her different events, to cheering her on. It's something that we've always done as a family. You know, even when she was an age group swimmer, we would all get in the car and go and follow and cheer her on. And it, it, it was the same through her whole career. Is that how you see it, mom? I do, but it, you know, because we're talking about Gwen, of course, the conversation is Gwen focused, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we also did the same for Elizabeth. I mean, if she had an orchestra concert, we were there. If she was playing basketball in a high school gym, we were all there. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were focused on this one kid and put all of our um, hope in this one person to be an Olympian. We just didn't think that way. It was it was just good parents support their kids and find things that they love to do. And so we did it for both of them. Nice. And have you, Gwen seems like um, she is pretty grounded and not, not, uh, not up in the clouds and stuff like that. You know, you watch some footballers and stuff and you just sit there shaking your head and they, they kind of lose perspective on, um, on what's happening in the rest of the world. But she, she seems to have stayed really grounded from, from, from an outsider's view. Have, have you had to, work on that in terms of uh, her not necessarily getting a big head and just thinking, you know, because she was so dominant for, for that sort of couple of years leading into Rio. Was it was keeping her grounded ever, ever a problem? I think I it was think it like, was... oh, go ahead. Okay, well, then you can follow up. All right. Um, <laughs> I think it was almost the op opposite. She Gwen has always been one to, um, she's reluctant to celebrate. And so when she was little, um, she just, you know, we'd say, oh, good race, Gwen. And she'd say, well, I didn't get a PR. That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I one time I asked her, Gwen, have you ever been satisfied with the race? She was maybe 15. And she said, yeah, once in sixth grade, I had this really good race. Yeah. So I think she's just always self-evaluating, looking for something that she could have done better, wishing she'd done something different. Um, I, I have not seen that kind of out of control ego from her. I was going to say the same thing. It's exactly the opposite. Gwen doesn't want the spotlight. She doesn't want the media attention. None of those things are her fate. So those are things that have to be encouraged in her um, rather than, you know, trying to downplay them. As a family member, you know, like, and obviously you sound like a very close family, uh, being an athlete's a roller coaster ride and you have these peak moments of the Olympic gold medal, but also the downs that come with it. Uh, how does a family support an athlete through the tough times? Oh, I just be as almost like neutral as possible. Kind of what mom was saying that, you know, we know Gwen is going to be disappointed. No matter what happens, she's going to find a reason to be unhappy. And so I just kind of like back off and stay away and talk about anything other than what <laughs> happened. You know, like, where do you want to go to eat? And <laughs> what time's your massage? And then later on, sort of circle back to those things. And, what, and what she's pretty quick to recover. 
yeah. you know, um, we, we give her that time and then we know that it's going to take, you know, a day or um, maybe even less than that. And um, she's always, she's always um, thinking about us when we travel to see her meet and she wants us to have a good time. And so she'll arrange to have a dinner with everybody. And I know sometimes she's just putting on a face and she's really disappointed or um, things just didn't go well, but, but she, you know, she does think about the other people that are there to support her. Nancy, what about um, after Rio? You know, you say she's disappointed after a lot of events. I, you kind of get that. There's always little things you can improve on. I imagine going into Rio, it's quite stressful because she's a raging hot favorite. You know, it was to, to a lot of people, it was her race to, to lose. And we, we often hear from Olympic uh, athletes, it's a sense of um, relief once it's actually done and dusted and you've got the medal. What, what was her sort of um, evaluation of, of Rio and, and how, how did she feel after, after the race? I think that is one exception to this whole scenario we've painted. Um, I just saw her so happy that day. And I think you're absolutely right that some of it was relief and some of it was celebration. Um, you know, so many emotions, just I'm not even sure she could sift through all the emotions that came over her um, after that race. But I yeah, I think she celebrated that day for sure. Mm-hmm. Can I ask just for you two, the writing process, you know, uh, you guys come from a writing background or was it just these couple of projects that you wanted to do? And, and how did you enjoy the writing process and what was kind of this the process you had? Elizabeth, you want to take that one? Sure. You know, mom taught choir for years and years. And as part of that, she wrote a couple of methods books for um, other educators of choir. And so I saw mom doing this when I was a kid. And then I ended up becoming a English teacher and I teach creative writing. And so I saw how mom weaved in one of her passions for writing into her teaching and I was inspired to do the same thing. And so I started writing articles about what I was doing in my classroom. And that just slowly evolved into other bigger projects, including our our two books. would work collaboratively uh, via like Google Docs. And then we would get together at least once a week in person and go over things and discuss and read aloud and send things to Gwen. Um, and it really was a labor of love and we enjoyed it. And the the most recent book, we did a lot during the pandemic and during lockdown. And so we were, you know, fortunate to both be healthy during that time and to have the time to explore this passion project. I think there's probably scope for a um, for a third book at some stage because obviously you know Olympic gold is I imagine where this book the second book finishes you know um, in Rio but it's been the last six years has obviously been a, a different journey for for Gwen with with trying to make it with the the running career um, and obviously has not quite gone the way she had perhaps hoped was was that a difficult um, maybe um, Nancy if you answer this one was it a difficult time watching Gwen with her running and and not really um, hitting the the levels she wanted to? Um, I think as a parent, you know, that's the hardest thing about a race when it doesn't go well is not that I really care about the race personally, but that I always want my kids to, to be happy with what they're doing. And so it, it, um, it, it's hard anytime any, either one of them tries something and it doesn't go well because I just want them to have what they want. Um, But, you know, Gwen has always done surprising things. Um, 
she was always a swimmer and then she switched to track in college. That was a surprise. Um, when she switched, when she, she was working as a full-time CPA and accountant and she decided she's going to quit her job and try triathlon. That was a surprise. Um, and then she moves from triathlon to, to running. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm always prepared for her to do something that's unexpected and just, and you know, I'm, as with any athlete, things don't always, it's not a straight path. So mm. there are going to be failures and disappointments and refocus. So I try to take it in stride. And you've obviously had a, you know, another surprise in the last couple of weeks. You guys might have known for a bit longer, but uh, Elizabeth, is she going yes, to? Yes, we knew she, we knew a little bit longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Elizabeth, is she going to get back to the same levels that she was at, do you think? I have no idea. Um, you know, the sport has changed a lot in the time that she's been gone. And I'm excited to see how she does. I think... I think she can do it, but I think it's going to be a challenge, especially having two young kids now um, and Patrick working full time. Just the whole dynamic has changed. It's a little bit more unpredictable when you throw a couple of little ones in the mix. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I, th I think she can. You know, you're you're looking at who's on the U.S. start list right now. And uh, I don't, do you think she can? Yeah, well, look, uh, you, you take Taylor Nib out of the equation and um, she's obviously crushing it. But, you know, when you look at the rest of them, you're going, if she gets back to, you know, cl even close to the level she was at, I think she's got a um, a good chance at least making the, the mixed relay team. Whether or not she can be get back to being number one, we'll have to, uh, I think we'll all have to wait and see on that one. But um, certainly Yeah, and will. I don't think she's quite said that yet. I think she's just said yeah. she's going to focus on making the relay team. Yeah, so no, exciting times for, for American triathlon with the um the book because i mentioned it's a really bonding experience for the whole family so what have been maybe some of the benefits of writing the book that maybe you wouldn't have foreseen when you started these both of the projects you know um, i even as an english teacher i didn't see how much that i didn't realize how much of a hole there really was for this um and we've heard from teachers and librarians that kids really want to read these nonfiction biographies about female athletes. And I'm, I'm just, I had no idea that we were really filling as big of a hole as we are. That's cool. So guys, if you want to get hold of the books, um, the, the recent one is Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete. Um, the prior book is Go Gwen Go, the family journey to, to Olympic gold. Um, yeah, I had a scan through, through a couple of them on Amazon yesterday and I liked one particular part. And I think it was when Gwen was younger, she, uh, I think you were planning some family holiday somewhere and she was going to miss two swim training sessions and maybe a swim meet. And she was not happy, about, <laughs> not happy about it and slammed her hand down on the table and said, we can't go if I miss any training. So sounds like she was, she was pretty driven from a young age. She absolutely was. And there are other stories um, from other things that we made her do. I, I always believed in a well-rounded childhood and I yeah. thought, you know, it's great for her to swim, but she's got to have some other things. And so one thing was we insisted that both of the girls um, study music. So Gwen played violin and we were on the way to a, an orchestra rehearsal and Gwen was pouting in the front seat. And she said, if you make me go to this orchestra rehearsal, you have to take me to the YMCA so I can make up my swim session. <laughs> and so, it, but, you know, I, I had to remind myself, I'm the adult here and it's not good for a, you know, a 12 year old to be obsessed with one thing. It's important to do these other yeah. things. And um, so I was always just prepared for it. And 
I usually gave in and took her down to the, the community pool so she could do her swim. But um, she knew what she wanted. And I, I mean, I think it's hard to criticize that because I think that's part of what's made her successful. She advocates for herself. She knows what she needs to do. And she doesn't she doesn't give in. Does she still play music? Um, when, when she qualified for the 2012 Olympics, they flew her to Los Angeles for a big media thing. And they wanted each of the athletes to bring along a hobby. And so she decided, she said, mom, I need a hobby. Let's get out my violin. I'm going to practice the the Bach concerto and see if I can still play it. And so she dragged her violin after practicing to Los Angeles. They never actually made her play. But oh, they, okay. did take a, they took a bunch of pictures with her holding the violin. I think she had, it was like a triathlon picture, except it was music in one hand and her bike wheel in another and her swimming shoe or swimming suit or something <laughs> funny Excellent. oh well, that's awesome guys so yeah get, get hold of those books will be some good uh holiday reading for everybody um you can get them on especially Amazon. If you've got young people in your life uh, you know you want to inspire especially young females and mm. you know and important stuff you can get them on amazon and um and elsewhere online so just search for it. if you just even type in gwen jorgensen at the moment it comes up at the top so um so nancy and elizabeth thanks so much for your time and um thanks for adding another resource into the uh, world of triathlon and hopefully inspiring the next generation our pleasure and if there are any teachers out there listening i just wanted them to know that we provide a free teacher guide so there's like activities and lessons that you know a coach could do with their swim team or a teacher could do with their class um we also have signed copies if people are interested in those they can order them at books and company in oconomowoc they have all three of our signatures um and we can give you the link for the show notes as well excellent yeah great stuff great thanks guys thanks for your time thank you we're doing that interview later, so you guys will hear. I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure it was. She was probably the best interview we ever did. John Bo. And we've changed our mind. Green Jorgens is going to come back and she's going to crush it this yeah. year. She's going to absolutely yep. annihilate yep. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, but you've got to love these stories. So I know, hope she does. Um, I think she'll do well whether she gets back to that same level. Not so sure. My thing will, is, we'll add a hell of a lot to it. I guess she'd won the Olympic gold at 22 and gone away for six years and come back and she's like 28. Yeah. It's a different story. Age and having two babies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 36. Is it Harold Sora Duffy? Oh, she's probably pretty similar, I think. Um, okay. I reckon. Why is that then? How, how come females can survive into the late. Oh, the Gomez. Harold's Gomez. Gomez is uh, probably pretty pretty similar age. I would but he's still not, he's not dominating anymore, is he? No, he's struggling at the moment. He's, yeah. But he's had a, I think he's had a rough time with injuries. And Flora Duffy is one year younger. She's born in 87. Um, Gwen Jorgensen was 86. You know, back in the day, you didn't expect someone in their mid-30s to be still massively successful, did you? No. So it's time to move on, John. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a link to the book on the show notes so you can check that out in www.ihomtalk.me okay John let's do Strava first winger of the week, week. we're going 25th no I've picked one already oh, I've I um, ran, random.org I oh, will do both um, 14th oh you're right oh you're right you guys one thing we haven't talked about or we should maybe talk about the show John's a bit dusty this morning a little dusty a little yeah. bit dusty um, number 14 Derek Skarwinski he did 15 hours name. and 22 minutes of training last week from 14 activities, four hours and one minutes on the swim, nine hours and three minutes biking, two hours and 16 minutes of running. 15 hours, solid amount of training for the week. And Number 25 is Arnold. Arnold Solidgoff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Derek doesn't have where he's from. So, but last week he did uh, 
he had a couple of big weeks there in December, dropped off a bit sort of through November and December. His longest uh, bike ride that he's ever done is 177.4 kilometres. Hasn't done a big climb, only climbed up 511 metres. And what he's got one picture up here. What's, what's he? Oh, no, hold on, he's got a picture of him finishing an Ironman somewhere, but I can't click on that. And one picture of him is, what is he doing? He is at the summit of Vushiset Summit. Oh. 20, 2006 feet. There you go. There you go. Derek, you are our winger, winger of the week. Of the week. look at Arnold here. It was Arnold, sort of. Pretty good runner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, he's sub, sub, well under sub nine at, you know, I'm not sure what age he did, but... Well, uh, based on his travel, I know these are predictions. 57 marathon? <laughs> Half marathon? He's not that good, is no, he? No. <laughs> no. 5K, 12, 12, 23, 35? No. Okay. But then his marathon's three and a half. So That's, uh, yeah. So yeah. three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, Anna's, Anna's been well into sub nine for, for a long time. I'm not sure if he still is, but he's pretty decent. 26 for 10K? <laughs> What's the world record for 10K? <laughs> it's probably not that quick, is it? <laughs> Let's have a look. Okay, what well, your prediction? World record. World record 10K time. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say. So, I'd say it'd be about 20, 26 high. 20K. No, it'd be quicker than that. It'd be 26 low. Probably 20, 26. 26 flat. Okay, athletics. The fastest female. Because we had, the, we had the, there was a, some 5K racing in New Zealand uh, couple of nights ago and the winners there were going low 13s i think so For 5k yeah okay well it is it's 26 11 oh yeah yep. close by joshua chip tiggy chip yep from uh, uganda uganda, uganda. Yep. yep yep so there you go yeah not bad gabriel salisi still has it from back in 2005 he was a machine he was a machine didn't he yeah because he did he ever do marathons gabriel salisi yep Good. Yep, yep, yep. Ten, well, he was 10,000, wasn't he? It was this thing. I got 26 last week in the rankings. That's all right for me. Imagine you do one long one long session and you go rocketing up the rankings. He did a two or three marathon, Gabriel Silesi, yeah. in Germany. Probably won it then, didn't he? Yeah. Um, that was back in 2007, 2008. Uh, it's funny because you, you would have said he was the greatest runner of all time before Kachobli, wouldn't you? Yeah, but what is amazing about those guys, and both of those two that you just mentioned, and I don't follow running very closely at all, but they've just gone over and above in terms of what they deliver, their country, oh, and, yeah. and what they've done. Just I'm pretty sure Gabriel Selassie became a politician, I think. I That's I think. always a bad move, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Sports people, like, why would you do it? Because yeah. instantly half the world hates you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Instantly, <laughs> and, and it sounds like Kipchoge. You know what he does oh, back yeah. home is is amazing. So uh, he is Kipchoge. It just sounds like the most amazing human, doesn't he? Mm. You know, just his attitude and his perspective and his achievements, and you know, they just think, wow, what an amazing human being. Okay, quiz question. Okay, so the biggest gap between Kona World Championship wins. We're gonna have to start calling them World Championship wins yeah, from now true. on, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> so. It could be. Is it early days? Let, let's keep it modernish, you know. Oh no! Uh, well, so yeah, okay. So Dave. Well, okay, so who's won it more than once? Well, so Dave, you think Dave's got one like five in a row? Yeah, he maybe had a little gap in there. Mark Allen was pretty much Six all the way row, straight yeah. through. Um, 
Molina only won it once. Scott Tinley. There might have oh, been a bit be of a Tinley. gap there. Um, no, it was only like a two-year gap, wasn't there? Probably. Yeah. And then you kind of move it might on be, to... It might be... Um, what about Rinny? Um, hers were pretty close together. It might be Daniela with three years. Mm. Chris McDonald was two years, wasn't it? Because he won it, then he had the bike, and then he won it again. Remember, um Mecca. Mecca, yeah. Because it didn't, even, it didn't. Even... And Stadler had a little gap. He didn't win. His weren't sort of back to back. No, um, it's not many back to backs. Tim De Boom was back to back. Peter yeah, Reed. Peter Reed had a little gap in there. He never won two back to back, but he won three. Mm. So Tim De Boom as well. No, he was back to back. Was he? Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of any other females. Natasha Badman, whether or not she had. She was kind of like six gap. in a row, wasn't she? Yeah, she was pretty. What about pretty old, continuous. Um, the one who won eight? What was her name? Paula Finn. Paula, Paula, Paula Newby Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Um, she won eight, but. Yeah, hers were pretty pretty much back to back. I say Daniela. Well. Okay, well, you, let's see you, who are you going to say? Um, Chrissy won pretty much back to back. Ferris only won one. Yeah. Peter Peter Jacobs only won one. What? Um, how much did Jan Jan? How many years between Jan's last one? Was it only one year off? No, I think his was two. I'm going to say Daniela. I'm going to say three. Okay, let's have a pause because this might take a little while for us to figure out. Okay, pause. Okay, so technically it's kind of Daniela Reef, but it's not really because Daniela Reef won it in 2018. We're winging she, it here as well. And she, yeah, we are kind of winging it. But but she then won it in 2022, but at the beginning of the year because it was the World, it was the St. George, which is early in the year. But Laurie Bowman. Well, that, that was actually the 2021 World Championship. Yeah, I know, but, but it was time wise. Yeah. So it was kind of like three and a half years for her. Laurie Bowden won in 99 and 2003. So that's a four-year gap. Peter Reid also had a... No, three-year. Three-year gap. There's a few three-year gaps. You've got Erin Baker. She had a three-year gap as well. She won oh, in yeah. 87 and 90. Oh, Tinley, actually. Tinley's four years. So go. 2002. Oh, no, but that was when they had two in one that, year. And is that the ast- one of those is an asterisk one? Yeah, I think it was the one in February, wasn't it? Mm. When no one turned up. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So I think Laurie Bowden and who else did you say? Uh, I've forgotten already. We had Erin Baker at three, Laurie Bowden at four, and Danielle Reef. Danielle Reef at sort of three and a half ish. Yep, there we go. So that uh, is the longest gap. So actually, Danielle Reef's great. To, it's going to be amazing to see what she does in the next few years because you're just going to be sitting on the edge of your seat going, what's she going to bring today? Yeah. Uh, it does seem like that nowadays. Though. Like Early on in her career, she was just so dominant. Yeah. And then in the last moment of her career, it's kind of been hit and miss. Yeah. It's like she's either there and she's there, it's, it's game over, or it just doesn't happen really, does it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with Frodo now. You're going, whatever he does this year, whether he goes to world championships or whatever happens is – What's he going to be like? We really don't know. And well, likewise the, with Brownlee, it is just like a roll of dice. What is he going to bring on this Well, day? I think the thing with Frodo and Brown, like, are we seeing the injury period of his career now? You know, like, hmm. Frodo has been such a beast and, you know, arguably the GOAT or, or, or of that level. Um, but last year he got it, kept getting injured. Hmm. You know, are we going to find that he just can't train in the way that, you know, you know, you get to a certain age and just injuries become a problem when you train a certain load. Mm. Um, is that going to be, you know, will we actually see him at Kona this year? Or well, no, or we won't it's see him be, at Kona. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wherever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, will PCO we, World Championships. <laughs> yeah, well, like, but will we see him at a level where we actually have to be competitive? I think so. Brownlee, not so sure. Fredino, if he's there, he'll be on. 
There you go. You made, you made your prediction. Yeah. Okay, so that's, uh, that was John's quiz question for the week. Okay, let's let's wrap things up. Jonbo, let's say thank you to our patrons. Christopher Little J Swain. We've got John Mincy Munzer. Mint John the Mincer. Oh, Mincer Munzer. Uh, David <laughs> Trimmer Gidge. Because Gidge sounds like hedge, oh. and you've got to trim it. <laughs> That's how we roll. supposed to do my bloody hedges on Sunday, but it rained all day, as it is doing today as well. Do you know what I did? I bought a good tool. Yeah? Yeah, because down at bottom deck, we've got a bit of views from our bedroom and stuff, but sometimes these they planted plants that grow and mm-hmm. kill. Mm-hmm. And I used to go and like saw it, mm-hmm. and it was a mission. Oh, I think you've told us about that. But the then I bought the good tool. Proper. Yeah. Sometimes, John, you've got to spend the extra money. Mm. Say, so, absolute gold. Mm-hmm. Absolute gold. So what are you going to do? How many, how many hedges you got to trim? Um, yeah, we've got to do, we've got to do a bit of trimming around the property. Uh, bit of trimming around the property. Okay, before we get into this, uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me. Support the boys and what we do. Get a gift. Go to draw to win a free prize of some cool stuff. But more importantly, just support a show that hopefully brings value to your triathlon week. Uh, also, if you want to get a show, email to you, www.imtalk.me at the bottom of the main page. Coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, epiccamp.com if you want to do one of his camps. My podcast, Even James Isles. Also, my book, Passion About Exercise. It's probably a bit late for a Christmas gift now, but if you know someone who wants some summer mm. reading who's thinking about getting to exercise in the next year, check it out. Do you um, have an ebook version or is it? A, a, yeah, it's ebook, it's audiobook, it's print, and it's print. You can print it around the world as well. Yeah, so it's there you go. Yep. Uh, age groupers of the week, cool websites of the back. I am talking podcast at gmail.com. Okay, so what you got? So you got on the turps last night. He's yawning already. Oh, yeah. That's a little long. Um, we've got a long session today as well because I've got to go to dentist. Yeah. And then we've got to get some other stuff done. So um, so this time next week, Bevan. Yep. I'm going to be about. Oh, yeah, everything. Five hours, four and a half hours into my Everest. You're going on Boxing Day. No, oh, no. The 27th. And 27th. You're, you're going to be there. You've, you've, you've mentioned on the show that you're going to yeah. be there. And yeah. somebody was saying last yeah. night, oh, somebody who likes chickens, oh, was really? saying last night, uh, Bevan's not going to turn up. I said, bloody well, better do. I will, mate. I will. I'll turn up. 27th, I don't think I've got any planned. Yeah. What time are you starting? 3.30 in the morning. not going to be there then. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the day would be good. <laughs> the have, you people, have you got people? We're, we're spreading the word. Yep. So if anybody's in Christchurch, they want to come Everesting, 27th of What uh, kind of intensity are you going at? And Ironman effort sort of thing. So it's not going to be John, particularly hard. And that'll be, yeah, you'll be able to keep up for one or two. Um so if you're anybody's in Christchurch, 27, Mount Pleasant, Mount Pleasant Road, you'll be fine. It's not that steep. Okay. Uh, so I did a bit of a preparation ride on Okay, nice. How many Saturday. laps? Well, no, I didn't go do laps of that. I did this ride that I've wanted to do for a long, long time. It's based doing every hill in Christchurch. Oh, really? uh, so I started, at, we've got in oh, Christchurch. Did you go all the way around the port, Porters? Not that far. So yeah. Oh, so not every hill. <laughs> well, that's that's different district. That's oh, sell, okay. one. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So Christchurch, we have a, like the city's based on the flat and then we kind of have hills where Bevan and I live um, and then there's a harbour on the other side of the hills and so it's called the Port Hills. Yeah. And on the city side is basically all, not all, there's like little patches of residential um, houses on different, sort of spurs on each hill and so you start at one end and you work your way all the way to the other end and it ended up being 140 kilometres. So where did you start? Started at Kennedy's Bush. So you got, did you go up Kennedy's Bush? Up Kennedy's Bush and, and then back down? Back down and then all the way along there's lots of little climbs, there's about 30, so you did all the little 30 climbs in total, oh, wow. over 4,000 metres all the way of to elevation, <clears throat> all the way to Taylor's Mistake Jeez. and yeah 30 climbs, 4,000 metres of elevation out there for seven and a half hours. Did you do the Littleton side as well? No, because it's the district side. Yeah, yeah, that would have to add a bit more time into the day. But seven and a half hours, and um, yeah, it was cool ride to do. Tough, uh, 
very tough. In the middle, um, you've got these about four climbs back to back. Actually, I'll pull it up on Strava because it's not a very long show so far, yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, and you've got these four climbs back to back that are steep. There's one called Soleri's Ave, and then oh, there's one yeah. called Maffey's Road, which yep. is the steepest road in Christchurch. Is that the one that you, one. Go, you go around the corner and end up? That's Maffey's, yep, yeah. Yep. That's the, the main section of Maffey's is 26%. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's 26%. It is beefy. Um, and then you've got another one that follows that's got a lot of 20% in it as well, um, which is called Glen Stray. And then you go up the hill that I was brought up on, which is called Monk Spur. And, and that's steep. <laughs> As a beast as well because we, we we take our runners up there like a couple times a year, <coughs> and I'm biking up there and I, and because running up there is faster. Yeah, and I'm dying trying to coach people. I'm going, oh yeah, oh, hit up. <laughs> like it's dying. One of my frustrations with Strava is all the people have just create all these stupid little segments everywhere just so they can get KOMs just, and stuff. Yeah, and. Um, I just want to find these other ones. This is great podcasting. Oh, yeah, when people you, love when it. you're well prepared. Yeah. Uh, I had, very nearly had a crash coming down my hill. Um, very, very, no, um, just off Parklands Drive. Oh, you like you literally did every hill up. Oh, every every little side street. Yeah, yeah. Every, every not. I didn't do lanes, private lanes, but every other climb. It was uh, it was a lot of hills. Did you know how many you had to do going into it, or was it just like here's one I got to go? I had a pretty good idea, but it did, I thought it was going to be more like six hours, maximum six hours, and it was seven and a half. So uh, we so over had it. to send the SOS message. Part of my plan, I didn't plan my nutrition particularly well, so I got up and <laughs> just had, great for you. I had, some, had a bit of UCAN before I left, and I took a bar and a gel with me. Cause Wait, I knew, that's all you had? No, I knew I was coming past home okay. about two hours in, so I'd, I'd drop in then. So that's fine, start off, and it's all going okay. Dropping in home. I'd just grab some money. I'd grab like 15 bucks. I thought yeah. oh, that, that'll be fine. Um, I didn't take my card with me. Do you, do you have your phone set up? No, I've got, I've, I'm on Android, so oh, it's like shit. Man. My bank doesn't support that, so it's like, oh, God. So I'm, and I'm about, then I'm about three quarters of the way, or two thirds of the way of the ride. I'm going up my hill, Monk Spur, and it's got this hairpin on it. And I get there and the lights go out <laughs> and I have a gel and I, and I come make a bit of a comeback because that was the third tough climb in a row and get to the top of that thinking, go past my mum's place on the way back down. Sweet, I'll pull in there yep. and uh, knock mum on the door. Need an extra 10 bucks, <laughs> mum. And, uh, and nobody home, water only. But then I've got a strategy problem. I've got 15 bucks to spend. Fresh but, I've, but I've still got a lot of climbing to go all the way through an area called Sumner. So there's some big climbs. Oh, yeah. And I'm going, when do I utilize this $15? Oh, what a dilemma. And yeah, so, the petrol station? Well, no, it's, it's more of the timing. So I've got two big climbs. I've got Clifton Hill and Richmond Hill, which yep. are both pretty tough. And I'm thinking, I'll do both of those. And then but you're I'll, already then bonking by the stage? I, I bonked, but I'd had a gel. And I, was, gel I was on the comeback. <laughs> it was, I, but I was thinking, what well, oh. gel ain't going to do much. And then I did these first climb fine, second climb detonated at the top, going down, shaking, going, this is really not very safe. The Richmond Hill climb was, oh, bloody hell, it was steep. It was at least 20% in places. Let's have a look. Richmond Hill, where are you? No, we had 20% in Christchurch. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mountain Richmond. Uh, it's got a stretch there of 500 metres at 19.5%. Uh, so that was a bit of a doozy. Um, Monk Spur, which is the road that I used to live on, uh, that is the whole climb is 2.8, no, 2.1 kilometres at 11.4%. Um, Maffey's Road, as I said, that's uh, the steepest part of that is 
26% for 100 metres. The whole climb was 480 metres at 16.5%. Um, another one which we have is called Soleri's Ave. That's uh, decent. That's the steep part of that is 300 metres at 16.9%. So anyway, I got out alive and... Uh, yeah, managed to. So, wait, so wait, we go back to your so, back, okay, yeah. so I'm coming. I'm coming down this final climb, and shaking. Yeah. And then I got to the uh, the super value in Sumner and had a liter and a half of coke, <laughs> and then I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have no sugar there, do you? Because uh, I was thinking, fifteen bucks isn't going far, and it actually went quite a long way. What, so, what did you get? What did you, you, you get? Got a little cheese roll, bag of salt and running of chips, and a liter and chips. a liter and a half of coke. Then I was fine. Came home. Okay. But Billy, what you, you only had really Taylor's to go after that, didn't you? I had Evans and Taylor, Taylor's mistaken Evans. Yeah. Uh, and that was Which it. Which is a good climb. But then I had to get home, another you know, half an hour home, and I had a couple of little climbs on the way home. What do you mean? I'd forgotten, oh. forgotten to do rail packy, so I had to go up rail packy on the oh, way back. Oh, just up into the path. Um, yeah. So it was a good, good ride. And the good thing is, for Everesting, Felt pretty good on this ride, even though I bonked. Um, once I got over the bonking, come back, legs were pretty good. So, so wait a second again, how long do you think you're going to take? Everesting is probably, the ride time is probably going to be 12 hours-ish. And what's your break strategy? Uh, the break strategy is every third rep, so it's roughly every 90 minutes, I'll have a quick bottle refill. Yep. And then every sixth rep, uh, we'll have a decent break with a bit more substantial yep. food. And um, strategy-wise, it's having my reps are going to take about 25 to 27 minutes, depending on how slow I go. Uh, have some nutrition each at the top of each climb, like either a gel or half a banana or you know maybe about you know, 30 grams of carbs, plus have some drinks on the way up. And then every third one, um, have a little bit more. Every sixth one, have something some substantial. And um, yeah, so t- roughly 12 hours ride time. So I'm picking 13 and a half so early? Just because of the heat of the day? Yeah, and just get it over and done with. I want to be done by dinner time. Because 12 hours, you could start at 6 and finish by 6. Mm, but that's ride time. Yeah. Stopping adds up pretty quick. Yeah, it does, doesn't you know, it? Yeah. It'll be you know, at least an hour of stopping, if not an hour and a half, I reckon. So I'm going to be there, John. I promise. Good. Yep. Middle of the day. Don't, uh. <laughs> <laughs> or early afternoon. Anytime's fine. Anytime's I fine. I might be there early. Sorry? Well, because we're going camping the next day. And my, right. my wife will want to pack. Yeah. She loves the packing. She likes things. My wife is very organized. Yeah, good. And so uh, I think if I come earlier, mm. probably a better chance. But I'll definitely be there. I'll be there. Don't, I don't promise many laps. Yeah. I'll be there. There's going to be a couple of others out there. Hamish, I don't hit the wall. Yeah, nice. going to be out there. What about Phil Phil he might. He's offered to maybe come and do a couple. Um, offered to maybe. Only, there's only three of us that are planning on doing the whole Shimozzle. Oh, so you got oh, so Hamish the, not the wall's going to do it. Yep. Who and else? Hayden Beta. Oh, yeah. And uh, a few others. Got, they're, they're, a few others are going to be in and out. Mount Cooking is always a good thing to do as well. So if that's the highest mountain in New Zealand, which is about three thousand, three and a half thousand I mean, meters, that's, that. that's sort of tenish. Um, yeah. It'd kill me because last time I did anything this on a bike, mm. I blew my calf to my back. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not recommend going in, in and doing a, you know, three and a half thousand <laughs> that, that, meters. That bloody climbing. half marathon we did a half Ironman mm. paid the price for that. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, Bevan, <laughs> what's happening in your world? Christmas, Christmas coming. You've got plenty of presents out under the tree there. I see. Yeah, Christmas shopping's done. I've just got to buy mm-hmm. Joe's present. But she, she needs a bag, so I'm just going to get a bag. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't choose a bag for a female. Deadly ponies. What's a deadly pony? Oh, yeah, it's high end. Is you know, it? Go, go deadly ponies and you probably want... That's so much. Yeah, deadly ponies cost a lot. Imagine what I'd be dropping on a deadly pony. Uh, Tell me this. Joe doesn't want lots of money spent on her, which is yeah, really good. 
don't go to Deadly Ponies. Deadly Ponies, what are you dropping? Here uh, we go. Your, your wife does like the finer things, doesn't she? Yep, Deadly Ponies, I think, dot com. Yep. For um, a bag. You, you, you can go to Ballantines. Okay. How much am I looking at? Will uh, it fit in my $50 budget? Yeah, they've got some here that are about five or 600 bucks. For a bag. Yeah. You get a wallet for 159 For a, a bag? Yeah. Oh, John. 600 bucks for a. 569 for a Mr. Mini Leopard. There you go. Yeah. 699 for the Deadly Ponies Mr. Mini Robin. <laughs> Talking about handbags on a triathlon podcast. Go. Oh, we love our handbags. So, so that's probably it. Then go to the shopping done. We're hosting for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. We've never hosted. Mm-hmm. We just go to other people's houses. It's way easier. Yeah. So, actually, funny story. One of our runners, a guy called Hayden, a lovely guy. He, um, his wife and him hosted a few years ago. And I said, how did it go? He said, was it, we just had a divorce. Yeah. I said, what happened? He said, well, we were doing dinner. Mm-hmm. And the family had been to an, another family thing before theirs. And the wife had put all this prep in. And the, the wife had bought what you've done. What are you guys doing? My food bag thing. Yeah. Yeah. But the people before who bought the same my food bag. No. Uh, so it was basically the same, exactly the same meals. Uh, yeah. And so, and so be it. Like, you know, but if you're the person who turns up, you don't say anything, do you? Yeah. Well, someone did. Someone kind of almost complained. <laughs> and he said that was the end of that night. It was, it was just not good after that. So if you get in my food, you almost need a different variety. What, what, are, you, what are you performing? Um, we are performing <laughs> a, a yeah, it's random. It's uh, are you doing lunch? Lam- uh, oh, mid afternoon, late lunch, early dinner. Yeah, uh, there's a bit of lamb, there's a ham, there's bloody everything in there by the look of it. Mm. Mm. See, I'm doing we're doing dinner, mm. so we've got lunch and morning together. Mm-hmm. I get up, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. I always eat, eat, eat. Yep. That's all I do at Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I just try to put on weight. Mm-hmm. I want to gain weight. And then you can burn it all off on the 27th. That's right. That's how I roll. With your and 10 then, Mount Cook reps. 10. You're going to do 10. Yeah. I don't think I could do 10. How long would that take? Um, uh, so, three, um, six hours. There's no way. Seven, <laughs> seven maybe. Probably seven. <laughs> There's no way I'm getting Mount Cook. We drive past Mount Cook. I've been there. Yeah. Done that. Yeah. Have you done the Mount Cook up to the hut? No, I was looking at that yesterday. Muller Hut. Yeah. Apparently, it's really steep. Lots yeah, of stairs. It's supposed to be awesome. My parents did it. Mm. And Dad said it just about killed them. Yeah. No, yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, I think I might do it with my daughter when she comes over. So, yeah. So, Christmas Day. And then... I'm hanging around for a couple of days. I'm going to go do a little bit of everything. And then uh, mm-hmm. get away camping with Porno mm-hmm. and the crew. And then that's pretty much me for that. Get, Excellent. Get, get done. Righty-ho. Yeah. You're going to have some shows coming your Good way. Good holiday reading. Sorry? Cold Ritz. Cold Ritz. Have you heard of Cold Ritz? Cold Ritz, no. Guy I always recommend reading. If you like reading, let me just pull this up here. Have you got a good book? Uh, I have not got a good book at the moment. So, a guy called Ben McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Ben McIntyre does historic books. Um, I'll say no to that. And then I'll go to here and I'll go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's just tapping away on his phone. Cold It's is basically, what it was. it's true story. Ben McIntyre does true stories, war stories. Some The, the Spy and the Trader is one of the greatest books I've read in the last 10 years. But this is called Cold It's. And it's basically... The coldest was the prison camp for soldiers during the war, World mm-hmm. War II. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, they had to really look after the soldiers. The Germans mm-hmm. had, you know, because of the Geneva Convention. Mm-hmm. Whereas they had concentration camps where they were just horrific. Mm. Whereas the soldier camps weren't so bad. They were actually pretty good right. because they kind of had these standards they had to maintain. Mm-hmm. But it was basically this old castle 
in the middle of somewhere in Germany. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't really designed to be a prison camp. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these stories of these guys who are trying to escape this camp. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting book. So if you want a good time to read, I, I would read that. So it's called Colditz. Uh, Colditz, the... Oh, God, what's this doing here? Yeah. It's called Colditz, Prisoners of the... Phone's been thrown down in disgust. <laughs> Pain the ass. So there we go. So check it out, Cold. It's um, it's a really good book to read. Anything by Ben McIntyre. The one about Kim Philby is a really interesting book. Spy and a Trader. The movie. Did you see the movie Mincemeat? Came out recently. No, he wrote the book so. about that. It's quite good. Yeah. Anything by Ben McIntyre. If you like a good, if you like a good spy book, read his mm-hmm. stuff because it's real and it's mm. actually better than most spy books. Nice. So there you go. Anyway, John. Iron Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.